Welcome to Perfectly Planted Podcast. I am your co-host, Vesame Shering. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you're part of the Perfectly Planted community, we welcome you back and we hope you enjoy this episode of Perfectly Planted. Daphne, how are you? Vesame, I am doing great. Welcome, everyone. It's great to see you again. It's so good to see you too, Daphne. Um, Daphne, we have a special guest with us today, and um, we've had this guest with us in the past, Dr. Abano Osewusu. Our focus this month is really on heart health and heart health awareness, and specifically in female. And we thought, what perfect guest to have back than Dr. Abana. So we'll we'll get to Abana for one second. I know we have a couple, um, we have so many things to cover with her today, but Daphne, can you provide a little bit more of, um, you know, the importance of heart health? So this is something that's near and dear to all of us because one, not only have we focused a lot on general cardiovascular health and prevention of cardiovascular disease on perfectly planted, But more importantly, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women. And we want to make sure that we give you an opportunity to be educated, to be empowered, and to understand how you can prevent disease. And if you have disease, meaning heart disease, or you're at risk of heart disease, what steps you can take to reduce your risk or even reverse disease. Just a couple of quick facts, and then I want to let... Bessa may introduce our special guest. So cardiovascular disease kills more women than all forms of cancer combined. But a large majority of women don't recognize that cardiovascular disease is actually one of their greatest threats. We, we could probably have a full episode on the relationship between maternal health, nutrition, cardiovascular disease, but cardiovascular disease is the number one killer for new moms. But I think the reason we're here is that most cardiac and neurological events like stroke can be prevented through education and lifestyle changes. And we'll talk a little bit about those in detail, but it's the pillars that we've been focused on for the past two years. Add more plants to your plate, move more, stress less, know your numbers, and find amazing people to connect with like Vesame and Avana. That's right. No, Daphne, it's it's absolutely it. And let's let me just jump right into this gorgeous woman on our screen here. <laughs> Dr. Abano Osewusu has been on our podcast before in a previous episode, but she has her her um she's committed to improving the health of global communities as a clinician, advocate, and drug developer. Reflected of her core principles of health service and global citizenry, her focus on cardiovascular diseases and interventional cardiology has excelled her career in clinical research, including coronary interventions, invasive hemodynamic assessment of heart failure and valvular heart disease, non-invasive cardiology. She has a focus on risk factor modification for cardiovascular disease prevention. Um, I mean, as if that's not enough, she's been self-professed plant-based foodie, Um, whose vegan journey began in 1997, the last time we covered everything from her favorite dish to her latest fashions. I know she's wearing one of her own as well. Welcome back, Dr. Abin. It's so wonderful to have you back with us. 
No, thank you so much, Besame, for that really amazing introduction. Like that was a mouthful. Um, <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> thank you for setting it up so nicely. And Dr. Daphne, thank you for, you know, laying out some of those facts so clearly about cardiovascular disease and cardiovascular health in women. Um, this is something that I'm extremely passionate about, you know, as a board certified cardiologist. I certainly saw the gamut of cardiovascular diseases, um, but the disproportionate impact on women and underrepresented minority groups is definitely there. And um, as a subspecialist, even within cardiology, as an interventional cardiologist, you see how that gets magnified. So 100% agree, you know, this is that, you know, ounce of prevention versus a pound of cure. And yeah, I'm all for having discussions about how we can really prevent disease rather than kind of doing the cleanup after, you know, you start having manifestations. A hundred percent agree. And, and Dr. Abana, we have not had a chance to catch up with you since you were here in episode eight, which is back in September of 2021. What wow. have you been up to before we get into the nitty gritty? Yeah. What have you been up to? Um, and kind of just give everyone a summary of what's happened the past two years. I, first of all, I can't believe that it was that long ago, you know, you know, as they say, like the days are long, but the years are, are short. Yeah, is that it? Yeah, I think it is. Um, but yeah, it was a it was quite a while ago. And um, yeah, you know, I think September 2021, we were all still very deep into the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic. And while it has not gone gone away, I think we are managing a bit differently right now, right? And I think everyone's lives have become a bit busier and a bit different um, since that time for sure. And I'm no, I'm no different, you know? So I'm busy doing the mom thing with my, my almost six-year-old, um, my husband, you know, we're all trying to find our way in this, in this new normal. I would say one of the things that I spent a lot of time on in the last year is building my brand. So I think, you know, when we last spoke, I was wearing one of, you know, the things that I made, which I am again today. But this is the first time really where I'm taking my designs and um, I'm putting them in the hands of people like pattern and sample makers and actually building that brand. Um, so that has been a lot of work. And that's kind of like my other baby right now and looking to launch later this year. And it's um, eponymous. It's named after me, Abnafra Designs. It's African-inspired luxury women's apparel. And um, yeah, stay tuned to, to see what happens with that. I hope you don't have to wait too much longer. Well, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And then all the other stuff, you know, yeah, right. and, you know, food and Instagram. And I don't know how y'all keep up on social media, but I'm like, I can't keep up. And, you know, as much as I, I love to share, um, sometimes I step away for long mm -hmm. periods of time and take my little breathers and come back. But yeah, I mean, just making, making a way through life and, um, taking time to enjoy my family and, and, you know, friends and the people that I value and have those experiences despite all of the challenges. Right. Awesome. Well, we are looking forward to seeing your brand launch and we all follow you on social media. So can't wait Thank to see you. what beautiful designs are going to be available for everyone. Um, right on. To keep us informed. We'll do. We'll do. Thank you. But let's talk a little bit about heart health. So, yeah. you know, we shared a little bit about some of the 
key pillars for perfectly planted, which actually align with life's essential eight. You know, talking about eating better, we we all encourage adding more plants to your plate, being more active, not smoking. Can you share a little bit about, from a cardiologist's perspective, how the American Heart Association's Essential Eight translates into real lives for women and families? Sure. And so, fantastically, you just listed off several of the the life's essential um, eight, and this really was a springboard from what used to be the simple seven or the essential seven. Um, but what was really important that they added was sleep. Mm-hmm. So understanding how sleep and your sleep habits and your sleep health play into, um, you know, your cardiovascular health actually was something really important to add to this. So making sure that you get adequate restorative sleep and that you uh, understand any potential sleep issues that you might have. For instance, obstructive sleep apnea is one that is quite common, typically underdiagnosed and undertreated, and can frequently be associated with things like elevated blood pressure or hypertension, um, as well as abnormal heart rhythms, right? And heart disease in itself. So um, it really is about managing risk factors. So that's things like your blood pressure, your blood sugar, your cholesterol levels, as well as the habits. Because as you mentioned at the outset, we really know that a lot of cardiovascular diseases are truly preventable. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that, you know, just as a marker of kind of how the society has evolved over time, we eat more processed foods, we move less, et cetera. Um, Our risk of cardiovascular disease has increased. And sadly, Many of the gains that were made through innovation, you know, new medications, new procedures, et cetera, have been lost. So imagine now that we're in 2023 and people may actually have worse cardiovascular outcomes than they did decades ago. Um, So it really is important. and, And thank you for flashing some of these, you know, weight management. And we're not talking about weight in terms of vanity, right? You know, my discussion with patients is always that, You want to be at a weight that is healthy for you, and this has to be individualized. Mm -hmm. If you have excess weight and it does things like, let's say, affect your metabolism or make you insulin resistant Mm -hmm. or make you develop high cholesterol levels, et cetera, then that's not a healthy weight for you. Now, there may be others who might be able to have um, more weight and not experience that. But for instance, if you have any of these things, you have to pay a bit more attention to your weight. And I'm a prime example I think most people would not look at me and consider me to be overweight necessarily, but where I carry my weight, which is centrally, is not helpful from a metabolic standpoint, right? So I have a little less wiggle room in terms of that extra five to 10 pounds than maybe somebody whose weight is distributed differently because Mm -hmm. that visceral fat, um, that fat that surrounds your organs, we know is very metabolically active and you know, if I can prevent it, I don't want to become diabetic. I don't want to have um, high cholesterol levels and I don't want my pressure to become elevated or poorly controlled. So that is, and I'm taking time to speak about this because I know weight has become a very sensitive issue and rightfully so, because I think sometimes our view towards it was not healthy, not helpful to patients, but the context is that your weight should support your health. And if it doesn't, you have to address it. It's mm-hmm. it's really, really that simple. Things like smoking. Nobody should be smoking anymore in 2023. I'm sorry. Um, 
but also vaping. A lot of people went from, okay, well, I'm not going to smoke, but maybe I can vape. Yeah. Listen, tobacco use is an addiction. We understand it and it should be managed as such. So people should really mm-hmm. seek help if they really are having a challenge. But we know that the vaping is also very unhealthy for, for your lungs, right? People have even required lung transplant just due to the, the poor regulation of the substances that are in, in the cartridges. Um, so, you know, we talked about your typical risk factors of blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, and blood sugar. We talked about tobacco. We've talked about weight. We've talked about sleep, physical activity is another thing that's really important. So be more active. And what does that mean? I think it means something different for everyone. And we have to also be sensitive to the fact that does your environment support your ability to be active, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I happen to live in an area where I can walk on a sidewalk. There's sidewalks near my home, um, not too difficult to do. Um, maybe not everyone has access to that, depending on where you live. It might be a rural area where it's not safe for you to, you know, walk on the roads or there's no sidewalk or even in an urban area, we can face the same thing. But what I tell people is you'd be surprised at what you can do in your own home. Right? Agreed. There, there's a lot of free content um, from a lot of the cable providers, et cetera, that are walking programs that you can do directly in front of your TV or whatever mobile device that you're using. I'm a Peloton enthusiast. It's not for everybody. Um, 500 rides today. Let me just put that out there. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> that, that works for me. And what I say is, is my, my philosophy towards this is very similar to my philosophy towards foods. Those things that are healthy for you, do those things in abundance. If you don't like tennis, don't go and pick up a tennis racket. Right. It's not the time, right? So find physical activities that you are interested in, that are engaging to you, that you find joy in and engage in them, right? And we want to be doing it the majority of the week, you know, at least five days a week, 30 minutes a day. It's, it's very um, important to stay active. And we know actually there's a link between physical activity and your mental status as you age, i.e. your memory, et cetera. So um, that's important. And of course, food. You know, we wouldn't be here on Perfectly Planted uh, unless we were going to talk about food. And, you know, you have all these plant-based enthusiasts here. I've been vegan now for over 25 years. Um, And we have a lot of data that shows how plant-based diets actually improve cardiovascular health. Mm -hmm. Like one of the biggest studies that was ever done um, in cardiovascular disease hypertension, which is a form of cardiovascular disease. You should know if you have the pressure or high blood pressure, you actually already have cardiovascular disease. But one of the biggest studies was the DASH study, which was dietary approaches to stop hypertension. And this looked at the diet that could reduce blood pressure. And essentially it's a plant-based diet. Now it did allow for small quantities of animal protein, but we're going to put that to the side. The, the reason why it actually was effective in lowering blood pressure is because of the plant component. And there's a significant amount, amount of um, potassium and vasodilators, elements that you eat in foods that can help to open up blood vessels. And this, in addition to maybe some really modest weight loss that was associated with being on this diet, led to significant decreases in blood pressure, which were as effective as adding an additional medication. Right. And so this is important because many people don't want to be on medicine. And here's the thing. You don't want to be on medication. You got to do some extra work. And this Mm -hmm. is kind of part of that extra work. And frankly, I would tell you, if you do it long enough, it will become a habit. Um, But it's really important to think about as much as I enjoy eating for the sake of eating, that our eating also serves a purpose. Right. And we can eat in such a way that promotes health. 
and it's still enjoyable, I should underline mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. or we can eat in such a way that detracts from our health. And I don't think there's anyone out here that is really interested in making their health worse, right? No one is really thinking like that. I think a lot of the time we just don't know that when we make those choices, they're having impact on things like our blood vessels, mm-hmm. our brain, our kidneys, et cetera, right? But we, we need to draw those those linkages. So um, that was a lot to say, but this is really simple okay. language to kind of help people to integrate healthier habits into their daily lives so that they can have improved cardiovascular health. That I know that was fantastic. I loved how you integrated some of the things that you do um, because I think it's important. You know, it's not that we're just preaching one way. It's that we've actually adopted some of these aspects and essentials in our lifestyles that have helped us and have made us feel better. I mean, I know that I have several people that come up saying, you know, why, you know, how are you energetic? You don't drink coffee. I'm like, well, because I sleep. <laughs> I actually prioritize sleep in my day. So, and it's not, fun, you know, it's, it is, it is it. Um, but I, I, but I do want to know, like, we love learning. You mentioned some of the things that you do, but what does a day in the life Ooh. of Dr. Abino look like? <laughs> and let's be real. Let's be real. We know you have okay. an almost six-year-old, right? Almost yes. Six-year-old. Yeah. So it we know that your hands are full. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like we love to learn and it's both the activity, you know, timing of wake up, some the nutritional aspect, too. You know, what do you mean? (laughs) We want to (laughs) know. I mean, it's um, it's interesting. And what you said about prioritizing sleep, I think is really important. So I prioritize a couple of things outside of my family, which, of course, is typically my number one priority. I do also prioritize sleep. Even when I was a practicing interventional cardiologist, people would ask me the same. I have not had coffee since 1997, mm-hmm. not meaningfully. Like I, I do not drink coffee. In fact, I don't drink caffeinated beverages. So mm-hmm. it's always a query about, well, how do you wake up in the middle of the night and do invasive things to people and not groggy? I always prioritize sleep. So mm-hmm. I need a minimum of seven hours. Seven and a half is like a sweet spot for me. Eight might be a little bit too much. Um, but I know that I need to get in bed early enough to get that, or I'm not at my best. Um, You know, we were talking about this week, um, we were a little understaffed at home, you know, so my sleep was a (laughs) (laughs) a little bit irregular. And when I say understaffed, I mean, my, you know, my partner, my husband was not here. And so I was doing more. And of course, I realized how much having him around because he's very active in our household and he is, you know, beyond a helpmate how it helps me to prioritize some of these things that are very important to me, like sleep and exercise. So Mm -hmm. exercise would be my other thing that I um, really prioritize. And why do I do that? Um, I feel better when I exercise. Mm -hmm. Number one. Number two, my health is better when I exercise. So my aerobic capacity increases, meaning how I can perform during exercise, but that has a significant impact on my blood pressure. It lowers it. Uh, it lowers my heart rate. And those two things kind of affect how your heart sees stress, mm-hmm. essentially, right? So mm-hmm. it's having direct physical effects, but I certainly have mental health impact from exercising and that I feel better mm-hmm. from a psychological standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so that is the reason why in two years, I have not missed a week of exercising, according to Peloton, right? It's like 100 and, <laughs> 104 weeks, 105, whatever it is. 
And I prioritized it because I noticed that. And it wasn't that I was inactive before, but the consistency led me to feel a certain way consistently. Right. Um, and so I, I continue that. And it's not for me, actually, it's not it's majority maybe riding the bike, but I do a lot of strength training mm -hmm. as well. Um, because as we get older, that's also very important. I know you're very mm -hmm. passionate about that too, Dr. Daphne. Um, so strength training is also really important to me. So let me tell you what happens on a good day. I wake up, I might do a five minute morning meditation just to kind of get my mind right. That's also in the Peloton app, but there are many, you know, free or inexpensive apps where you can Mm -hmm. find things like meditations. And mm -hmm. I do a meditation because I find it also helps to set the intention for the day. It mm -hmm. helps me to kind of bring it in, discard whatever was there from the day before and move into my day a little bit better. And I feel when I don't do the meditation, um, I usually engage in about an hour minimum of exercise. Sometimes if I can't get it all in, I might break it up. Um, but the best thing for me is to start my day with exercise. I mm -hmm. prefer to exercise fasting. That's just me because I'm not a breakfast person. And um, it's hard for me to get it in at any other point in the day. When I say I'm going to exercise in the afternoon or in the evening, it's far less likely to happen. So um, that's how I start my day. As I mentioned, I'm not so much of a breakfast person. I'm more of a brunch kind of girl. Um, so I might do a late breakfast. And when I do a late breakfast, Frequently, I like to break my fast with something light. So if I work out, particularly if I do strength training, I might have a vegan protein shake just mm -hmm. to kind of help. And it helps with the hangerness. I don't know if um, you all deal with that when you mm -hmm. exercise, but strength mm -hmm. training makes me very hangry. Um, but <laughs> a protein, protein shake kind of helps with that. And, and often I'll break my fast with that. Otherwise, I might do something light, like just some fruit. I don't like the feeling of something really heavy in my stomach early in the day. Um, and then maybe out, so that might be something small, then I might have something small again before lunch, or I might just move right into lunch. If it's something small again, maybe it's like oatmeal. I've gotten really into this chocolate oatmeal um, that I've been making, which was inspired by something that I thought, frankly, when I ate it, tasted like dessert, right? It was, <laughs> it was overnight oats and it was chocolatey and had a mm -hmm. lot of sugar. And I've just been making, you know, a, a version that has less sugar, but it gives you um, fiber. It gives you some fat. You know, I put some nut butter of some sort in there um, with it. I get some flax, you know, to get my uh, omegas in mm -hmm. there, as well as the healthy carbs from the from the oatmeal. The cocoa, whether it's cacao or actually cocoa that I'm using, some antioxidants. So, again, when I'm eating, I'm also thinking about how is this fueling me? And also, is it enough sustenance, right? Is it enough fiber, typically mm -hmm. protein in it, that I'm going to be satiated until the next meal? Um I tend to have my heavier meal midday um, because, again, as I've gotten older, I realize I can't just be eating all willy nilly. I can't have that heavy meal, you know, in, in the evening because it shows up on the scale. So that could be um, anything. But I I really like dolls. I, I'm an ethnic food enthusiast. So mm -hmm. my family is originally from Ghana, West Africa. And that's my first love is Ghanaian food. So if I'm, you know, typically... I try not to cook during the midday, but there are times where you'll find me cooking in the middle of the day. Um, I also work from home, so that facilitates that. But if I go into the office or I have to bring my stuff in, um, maybe some brown rice with some dal or maybe um, a Ghanaian dish. I eat a fair amount of pasta. Again, scaling back, 
moving differently mm-hmm. these days is more yellow pea pasta, which mm-hmm. is like 100% yellow pea, um, more protein, more fiber, mm-hmm. more satiety, not necessarily less carbohydrates, but overall better nutritional profile mm-hmm. than our white pasta. Um, and then the dinner, dinner time, I'm not like a huge salad person, but I will like certain types of salad. So I'm not vegan. That's like, please don't bring me salad for dinner. Like I'm not into that. <laughs> a side salad, but not necessarily an entree. Um, but I do like having raw vegetables of yeah. some sort with my cooked meals. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have like a house salad that I make that has romaine and cucumbers and carrots. And it basically is like a rainbow. And mm-hmm. I typically make a house dressing I tend not to buy dressings for the past several years. I like to make my own, whether it's like an oil vinegar based um, or like a cashew based sort of Caesar type dressing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like dessert, but I'm learning again that I can't eat it every day like I used to. Um, Maybe just once or twice a week. And I sometimes think about um, how decadent I'd like to to go with it. The brownie a la mode, maybe it's just once a week now, you know, (laughs) maybe that scoop of ice cream is just a quarter of a cup. So like these are the adjustments that that I make. And and the reason why I bring them up is that I'm far from perfect. There's certainly things that I would like to continue to optimize about my health. And there are always opportunities for me. I'm looking at how I'm eating. Sometimes it's the timing. Sometimes it's the volume. Sometimes it's the frequency. And then, of course, always looking at the quality of what I'm eating and how it's impacting my health. Mm -hmm. So I kind of adjust and and flex after. Somewhere in there, my kid goes to school. I work. (laughs) (laughs) We take him to 50,000 different activities. He goes to sleep. So that's a busy day. (laughs) Always. (laughs) So. Dr. Abena, I I have a question and it's a little bit of a loaded question because I coach a lot of people both on the consistency of adding plants to their plate, being more physically active, whatever that means to them, um, achieving a healthful weight for them. But where are we from a healthcare system at prioritizing these conversations rather than putting someone on Ozempic or giving them other medications to treat a disease. How do we encourage everyone, not just women, but to actively prevent a lot of these lifestyle related diseases that can be, I mean, it can be prevented if we make wise choices and we're consistent in our behavior. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And it certainly is deserving of a, you know, kind of deep answer. And I'm sure we don't have enough time to go all the way Sorry. into things, but I'll <laughs> say this both from, you know, where I sit now, which is non-clinical and my time as a clinician, I will tell you, I think one of the major challenges that we have in our healthcare ecosystem. And I say that because all of the things that interact with healthcare directly is that, preventive services typically are not highly valued. And this is a very broad statement. I'm being intentionally broad, but that shows up in a lot of different ways. So what that means is your physician or healthcare provider, when they see you and they're offering more preventive services than let's say procedural services like I used to offer, that's not reimbursed typically well, right? So that time that it takes to provide the education and it takes time you know, 10 minutes usually is not going to cut it. 15 mm-hmm. is even tough. It's not well reimbursed. 
um, frankly. And that is the start of a lot of problems because people are not going to put time, energy, and effort into something where there is no return, right? That's that's the simple truth of the matter. Um, and for whatever reason, I think from a societal standpoint, we have a challenge where we also place more value into the sexy interventions than in prevention. And I'm, I'm saying this as someone who did the sexy interventions. You can prevent what I treated all day, but that's not of particular interest. And it's also not where we spend health dollars. People will spend um, six figures at times on a critical care stay. So meaning you have a myocardial infarction, a heart attack out somewhere, you come into the hospital, perhaps it's complicated. Six figures is not the typical cost, right? But let's say it can get up there if you have a very complicated situation. We will spend that money there but we won't spend it on what it takes to prevent that person from ever having that event. Mm -hmm. And the process has to start many decades actually before people start to have it. Right. So people start to really manifest it. Well, let me tell you what the teaching was. It was in your sixties. And yeah, that typically is still where we see most people now, but we know that the disease has significantly shifted upstream. Mm -hmm. I had patients with stents in their thirties stents, meaning it wasn't their first event. Mm-hmm. Their children, when I was in medical school, we were taught, and I'm sure you were taught the same, Dr. Daphne, that type 2 diabetes was adult diabetes, right? Type 1 was children. And we now know insulin resistance is not necessarily age dependent because we have so much insulin resistance in children now. So think about what that is doing to their blood vessels from age, what, 10? Mm-hmm. And beyond, you know, so there's a significant investment that has to be made to prevent disease from ever developing, mm-hmm. yet alone from you having events related to disease. But that requires a societal change. And it, frankly, I think it requires advocacy, not only from people like myself who are in a position where we're working closely with industry, but I think the patients themselves mm-hmm. have to say, uh, I want something different. I think that's really the only thing that probably moves things. Mm-hmm. We've seen that in the oncology space very mm-hmm. clearly, mm-hmm. the voice of the patient and what it can do from a policy standpoint. But I think that's probably where things would need to go. It's the number one killer, but you would never know it if you were to look into yeah. our society, right? So it's um, it's really complicated. But if, if you ask me if there's a single problem, to me, it's this value issue. And then part of it is also maybe how people are impacted by the disease. Um, People who don't have as much voice are disproportionately impacted by cardiovascular Mm -hmm. diseases. Children, elderly, underserved populations of various Mm -hmm. sorts, Black people, women, Latinx people, Native Americans. So that also impacts how that is reflected in our society. Right. So the people that don't traditionally have a voice are disproportionately impacted. What does that really mean? Everybody gets cardiovascular disease. Um, It should be a priority to everyone. And I think it's not just my bias as a cardiologist, Um, but we don't see it that way. And we have a lot of work to do. And there's some great organizations that are really trying to, you know, raise the specter and, and have had that megaphone for a long time. But it is amazing how the society responds. From what you know, from where I sit, right, and it's just not the same. Um, so we have a lot of work to do, and I think the first step is to say that preventing disease is 
as valuable, if not more valuable than treating it. And, you know, we just haven't gotten there, I think, as a society and as a healthcare ecosystem. 100% agree. That was my soapbox for today. <laughs> no, it's it's right. And I guess for me, not, you know, me being on the outside of the ecosystem or more, more of a patient as opposed to mm-hmm. a clinician, you know, for me, it's like, why doesn't anybody else know this? You know, and there's, yeah. I'm going to get a little controversial here. We talked about, you know, AHA, which is mm-hmm. fantastic organization. However, when you go to the recipe section, yes, they promote eating more plants, but then they also provide beef recipes. Mm. And so some of these things, I think, again, I'm going to dip into a little controversy, but I'll step right back out of it is how can, you know, that's to me is not being preventative. I think maybe it would be a bridge to going into more of a plant-based diet, but we aren't necessarily, you know, it's more of a cultural thing as well in our society where, you know, specifically in our country, it's you eat meat, to, and it's also a status thing. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to treat myself because Mm -hmm. I got a promotion at work or kids got great grades and we're going to go to a steak dinner, you know? And so those are some of the things that I, yeah, no, I want to hear your thoughts. It's really interesting what you brought up. And I think, you know, there's a fine line with kind of like meeting people where they are. Mm -hmm. So I told you how long I've been vegan. And um, if I'm honest about it, you know, I was much younger when I became vegan. It would be significantly harder for me to do that today, right? Mm -hmm. Just because at this point I've been, you know, vegan longer than I haven't been in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, someone who's middle-aged, it's a challenge. So sometimes I think people are attempting to meet people where they are, which is, you know, if I come at you and I say, don't eat beef, which you shouldn't for many reasons, perhaps I disengage you. And so perhaps, you know, the approach is you eat a little bit less or maybe you only Mm -hmm. consider it once a week. You know, you kind of have to build it. Mm -hmm. But what you mentioned is very true. Food is cultural. And so people tend to get triggered and feel attacked when you come for their food. Mm -hmm. Okay. Period. Doesn't matter the type of person, doesn't matter where they're from. Um, my people, Ghanaians, if I tell them, hey, you might want to chill on all the palm oil, they will come for me. Now, palm <laughs> oil is very important in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I use it, but in moderation. But it's also very interesting to know um, maybe how ethnically our lipid profiles might look mm-hmm. and how they look in the modern era based on every other thing that we eat, right? Mm-hmm. So not just palm oil, but all the other, you know, the processed foods that we ingest. And mm-hmm. perhaps how our ancestors ate cannot be how we eat completely. Our mm-hmm. ancestors, my ancestors, they tended to be farmers. They were extremely active. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, for instance, our food ways um, and many African people, there is a significant carbohydrate component, right? Mm-hmm. Which was required to live the lifestyle that they had. Mm-hmm. which is I need to bulk up on carbs, maybe a little bit of protein. They were truly plant-based um, foods, to be honest with you, so that I can go and do this very heavy work that I have to do at my farm or hunting or whatever it is. And I eat very small amounts, if any, animal protein. And I move around amazingly, right? My mm-hmm. grandmother was still walking for miles deep into her 80s. Mm-hmm. You cannot take that diet and put it in today's world where I sit 
at my desk. Mm-hmm. I sit in my car on the way to work. I sit on the way back. I come home and I sit on the couch. It's a lot mm-hmm. of space, right? So we need to think about how we adapt our ways of eating as we are moving forward as a society and, mm-hmm. and how things are changing. So it's it's always something to to balance. And for me, I always say I can show you better than I can tell you. If you ask me why my skin is popping, I'm gonna tell you that I was vegan for 25 years. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, and and that's I've never tried to be too pushy per, because again, people are very sensitive to this. Mm-hmm. Right. But I always provide rationale for why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I was driven primarily by health. Mm-hmm. become vegan. And I became far more aware of all of the ethical concerns related to ve- veganism later in my journey, you know, not like mm-hmm. right when I started. Um, but that's important. And then you think now about things like carbon emissions, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know, and how how our food ways impact our environment. You know, it's, it's a much kind of bigger conversation, mm-hmm. but it's, I think it's challenging. I am seeing, um, it's interesting that you, you brought up the AHA because I happen to, <laughs> to work with them a lot, but I, I am seeing much more integration of mm-hmm. plant-based eating and mainstreaming of it beyond, you know, the processed, you know, food sort mm-hmm. of um, access and in terms of, you know, the promotion of the meatless Mondays. And yes. honestly, yeah. when I was still eating meat, I could not imagine a meal without meat. I would mm-hmm. probably not have engaged in Meatless Monday. So kudos to everyone who may not identify as being a plant-based eater, but may choose a day of the week to focus on that that form mm-hmm. of eating. So I think for most people, it has to be stepwise and maybe mm-hmm. do like a, a bit of an elimination diet, but understand your why, I think is the most important. Mm-hmm. Um why are you making the changes? If you're doing it because the cool kids are doing it, it's not going to last, right? Mm-hmm. If you're doing it because you're thinking about your health and how your health, for instance, impacts your family and your community, perhaps you're going to be driven to, to stay with it, you know, and continue continue to make those choices every day until they become a habit and just mm-hmm. your way of living. Um, we have a lot of way to go, but I do think you know, from what I've observed over the past 20 years, we've made some improvements. It's just mm-hmm. that it's like we're trying to swallow the ocean. You know, there's yeah. So, much, yeah. so much work to be done. Yeah. yeah. And kudos to the American College of Cardiology. I mean, they have position papers on the benefits of, um, I'll just say, adding more plants to your plate, yes. not necessarily <laughs> being vegan, yeah. but a, a plant-based lifestyle, mainly whole food plant-based. And so hearing it from reputable you know, hearing it from a group of cardiologists, um, it's been very refreshing. And I just want to lift them up and say that there's yeah. a lot of voices out there that are advocating for this. And I, I would agree. And I think one of the major influences there is one of the former presidents of the American College of Cardiology, Dr. Williams, is plant-based, he's vegan, yeah. you know. And we do know there's actually a lot of data because physicians will say that we're practicing evidence-based medicine and we're data-driven. There actually is data to support both sides of this. What happens when you eat too much animal protein and maybe not even too much, just being exposed to animal protein, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And what happens when you basically base your diet off of plants? Mm -hmm. Um, This has been studied all over the world, not just in the United States, right? So there's so many examples 
Um, but look, let's be real about it. We live in the United States. It's a capitalist society. We also have to contend with the fact that there are um, industries that lobby a mm-hmm. lot for yeah. themselves, dairy, um, you know, mm-hmm. producers, et cetera. And it's a business and mm-hmm. they kind of won't stop promoting their business. Right. You know, so the plant based cheerleading, they're not into that. They don't they don't want to hear that. And they get, frankly, um, I would say upset. Upset is not really the word. They're clearly threatened um, fiscally when people eat less of their items that mm-hmm. we know may not be be good for our health. Right. So this is this is the constant push pull that yeah. I think we have. Um, and we just sometimes have to reckon with where we live and, you know, some of the limitations related to that, but everyone has access to information. The way people like getting on Dr. Google, go on Dr. Google <laughs> stuff about diet, right? And really learn and go to reputable sources because mm-hmm. there is reputable information. Um, but, I, you know, I think we're heading in the right direction. I just readily admit there is a long way to go. But the more conversations okay. that we have like this, I think the more helpful it becomes, the more accessible it becomes as well. Mm-hmm. Because I think in some ways, um, we also have to contend with the fact that there are food deserts, right? Mm-hmm. I've lived in a food desert before. Um, and, you know, Vesemay and I went to high school together. can still see me okay i lost everyone that's okay i did no we we hear you now um i don't know if you caught all that but just being in a food desert also affects options so thinking about how you can mitigate that so this is where people have things like community gardens etc but realize well how often can you garden right you only have a few um you know, opportunities during the year, maybe half the year, if you really push it Mm -hmm. into the fall season and what can you do otherwise, Mm -hmm. right? Because in some places, let's be real, it's easier to get a chicken box than it is to get greens. Um, And that's another problem that we have in our society, right? Um, It does cost more because Mm -hmm. the cost of foods that are not good for you is subsidized. That's, That's the frank matter. If you paid the real cost of it, you wouldn't be eating chicken every day. No. Absolutely right? not. Yeah. So it's 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 uh, it's complicated, but I I do feel hopeful um, that people are kind of becoming more insightful and more attuned to like no, I don't have to be committed to just developing heart disease and like having that quadruple bypass when I turn seventy five. Like why why can't I you know live differently and have have a different outcome? Um, and it's not just about dying. I always say it's about the quality of your living. You know, everyone is like, well, everybody's going to die. Well, how are you going to live? You know, Mm -hmm. and what's the policy of your life while you are alive, right? And so let's make your years as healthy as they can be. And that means eating more plants. It means being more active. It means sleeping. Um, It means getting some Zen, get that meditation on, doing Mm -hmm. whatever it is to decrease your stress levels, to, to kind of make you the best version of yourself. You cannot do anything about your genetics. That die was cast, but we can do a lot about what's in your environment externally and internally. So let's do it. I love that. How how are you going to live? I love that. Yeah. 
So um, one thing we would love to ask you is, I know you do your meditation, but what's one thing you're grateful for today? Ooh. I mean, look, I always say I don't look like what I've been through. Um, I'm grateful for life. You know, I'm grateful for for my life in particular because I've been a patient before. I've gone through, you know, health difficulties and I'm grateful that I could ride my Peloton bike and that I've Mm -hmm. done it, you know, 500 times because there was a time in my life where I didn't think I could do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've come a long way, um, you know, even at this kind of middle middle age point in my life. And I'm just grateful for, for good health. Um, if I just mm-hmm. want to just focus on myself, there's many things to, to be grateful for. I do not have a perfect life by any means, but I don't take my health for granted at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't take my ability to get up and do things for granted. So um, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for the health of my family and the fact that I have family and I have, mm-hmm. you know, a husband and a son, you know, I'm, I'm blessed at the end of the day. So I'm, I'm always just going to wake up, you know, and, and give my prayer of thanks for just seeing the next day because mm-hmm. it's not a given. And, and many people don't get that every mm-hmm. single day. Right. So it's as simple as that for me. I'm not, I'm not too complicated mm-hmm. in that way. That's beautiful. And Dr. Abana, as we wrap up, we always like to ask our guest, and first of all, thank you for being with us today. But sure. we we name perfectly planted because we want to plant seeds of positivity and empowerment. Is there one seed that you can plant for anyone listening or watching today about mm-hmm. how they can focus on their cardiovascular health? Wow. If there's one seed that I could plant, um, what I would say is be kind to yourself and and apply that broadly. None of us are perfect. um, And I don't even think perfection is the goal. I'm just trying to get better um, than I was a year ago, a month ago. A week or two ago, girl. Like it's sometimes (laughs) are, are very are very short, you know. So be kind to yourself. But think maybe about that one thing that is within reach. Don't create lofty goals, you know, do something that's within reach that you can achieve and be proud of yourself when you get over that hump. You know, if you're if you're on your plant based journey and you're not there yet, think about maybe how you can eat less processed food Mm -hmm. and become a bit more whole food plant based. What does that mean for you? What is it that you really enjoy eating, but perhaps you could make a healthier version of? Sometimes it's just starting with that. Um, And a lot of this is easier if you prepare things for yourself. If that's not your gift, that is fine. But perhaps thinking about how you could improve your skill sets just so that you can have the things that you like. But be kind to yourself, I think, is um, something because we beat ourselves up and it's all women here, I think. Yes. Women, women are quite prone to this as well. You're trying to do everything and multitask and, and juggle all the balls. Can't do it all, at least not at the same time. Um, so be kind to yourself. And part of that kindness is taking care of this body, this, this yeah. vessel mm-hmm. um, that we have. Like you're doing it for you and it's a good thing to do for yourself. Um, and you shouldn't feel bad about prioritizing your health and prioritizing the things that lead you to have good health. 
I love that. So Dr. Abana, with your new store coming out, you're wearing a gorgeous top. Um, and I've always yeah. admired your fashion, your designs that you do. So let's give a little plug out to your store um, when it's ready. If it's ready, let us know. We want to help. You know, this Absolutely. is not not just uh, friends helping friends, but women helping women and supporting exactly. each other as well. No, thank you so much. Um, Abanafra Designs is forthcoming. You can follow me on Instagram and, you know, hopefully very soon you'll be able to sign up for um, my email so that you can be notified when the collection drops. Um, I'll be starting with a small capsule collection, just five pieces mm -hmm. that are coming in a variety of prints and colors and then looking to expand um, with a bigger collection towards the end of 2023. But yeah, please, you know, go in and follow on Instagram and you know, always follow me, Dakabna, um, on Instagram as well. And thank you so much for for the support. Yeah. This is a lifelong passion of of mine in terms of being that artsy person who just happened to go to medical school and become a cardiologist. But I'm I'm very much a creative at heart, and it's really wonderful to be able to to share what's kind of just been personal for me. Yeah. You know, I make things for myself. I wear them for myself, you know, wear them myself, um, but to share with a broader audience and kind of look forward with trepidation to, you know, how things are received, but um, I'm excited about it. So thank no, you. No, I love it. And I think it fuels your joy as well, which I love seeing. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Abna. We will have a post on our blog and we'll also make sure we men mention your uh, Instagram handle as well. And thank you all for taking the time to join us today for another Sunday Seedling. If you're enjoying Sunday Seedlings on the Perfectly Planted podcast, please feel free to share with your friends and family. If you would like to subscribe to our YouTube channel, please do so. Just look for us at Perfectly Planted. Look for our little logo that we've creatively designed. We're going to be having some swag coming out too. And we hope to hear from everyone on comments on our blog and social media platforms. Uh, thanks again, Dr. Avna. We really enjoyed having our conversation today with you. And um, be well, everyone. We look forward to seeing you all soon. Thank, Thank you. you. It was a blast. <laughs>